Welcome to the DJE Podcast, where you will learn about real estate investing from real life examples. Here's your host, Devin Elder. Hey guys, welcome to another episode. Today we've got Todd Pulse on the show and I'm excited to dive in. He is in Ohio. Well, he's done a lot of things. He was a police officer, um, but is obviously a real estate investor now and still working full time and has, has uh, his hands in uh, a lot of different types of deals. I think you guys are going to learn a lot from this and enjoy this. So without further ado, Todd, good morning. How are you? Good, Devin. How you doing, man? Is it warm out there in Texas? You know, we just got our first set of cold weather. We're celebrating. You know, the mornings are in the mid-60s. Um, I walked out with a jacket this morning. That was a little ambitious. Didn't quite need it, but it was a little cooler than, uh, you know, the, 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 the triple-digit stuff we've seen all summer. So, now, uh, jackets Ohio, in Texas mean like 80 degrees for you guys, right? Oh yeah, 80 degrees is, is heaven, man. You know, I was out on the <laughs> golf course uh, recently. It's 85 degrees. It's perfect. Perfect. So uh, are you guys in like 18 inches of snow already in Ohio? We're talking here uh, late September? No, not yet, man. 100 during the day and uh, almost negative at nightside, but not that <laughs> quite extreme, but we're, we're getting down there. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Well, listen, for folks that aren't uh, acquainted with you, they're not in your universe, maybe, maybe a little background, you know, where'd you grow up? And, and, um, and then I always would like to know the pivot point for what transition people into real estate or pique their interests initially? Yeah, sure. So I grew up in Riverside, Ohio. It's a little suburb right outside of Dayton. It, it borders Dayton. Um, pretty similar demographic. But uh, for me, I grew up in a trailer court. You know, I actually lived in the projects you know, for a little bit while I was young. And then we moved to the trailer court and uh, grew up fairly poor with, without a lot of money, without a lot of uh, guidance on financial uh, you know, items that would help me be successful. And uh, from high school, I dug into the police academy and became a police officer. I did that full-time for about five years and dropped down to part-time the last nine years of my career or 10 years of my career and uh, was a corporate investigator for a large retail company. So I traveled the country and did interrogations on internal theft and, and large booster crews and uh, always kind of had like a little eye on real estate. You know, when I was a single guy, I think I ordered the the videos from an infomercial one night, like late at night at 3 a.m. They they set my house forever. I never, never watched them, never read any books yep. I bought. Um, but was always kind of interested. And I think there was some shows like just coming out right around then that was, that was very interesting. But, uh, my wife and I now, my current wife, when we first started dating, uh, and we were, you know, together, we, we were at our house one day and, uh, watching a movie and we looked outside or I didn't, she did. And the uh, tow truck had pulled up and was, uh, repoing my car, man, my, my truck. Oh, wow. And I was doing okay. Right. Like I was making a good salary. It wasn't that I wasn't making a good salary. I just didn't know how to manage money. I didn't know how to manage mm. finances. Yep. Um, I didn't pay my bills on time. I had money to pay my bills, but I didn't pay them on time. And, you know, her parents lived right across the street from us. So, you know, making up a story that my truck was, was getting worked on, not, you know, not telling them that my truck was getting repoed. Um, but at the same time, when her and I first got together, my, my first house uh, was actually being foreclosed on. And some of that was the same thing. It wasn't that I didn't have money to pay my mortgage. It was that I didn't do it. Like, I just, I just didn't pay my bills. Uh, and it was kind of at that moment, you know, like where I knew that her and I were going to be serious. We we're going to, you know, we were going to get married and, and I knew that I had to do something better, right? Like I had to change my life. Uh, I knew we were going to have, you know, some kids hopefully. And I wanted to be able to build that long-term wealth. And, and I think for me, what it was, was it was like, I'm not going to be like my, you know, no knock on my dad, but I didn't have a lot of that great upbringing. So I didn't want to be like that. I wanted to provide my kids a better life. I want to provide my wife a better life. 
And quite honestly, I wanted to live a better life, right? Like I, if I want to go yeah. on vacation, I want to go on vacation. If I want a nice That's car, right. I, I want a nice car. And that for me at that moment was like, Todd, you got to get serious and you got to do something with your life, man. I love it. That's such a, man, there's so much I can relate to in there. I, um, you know, I as well kind of grew up with, with a very <laughs> limited financial means and, and no guidance either. And so I think there's two components there that I think about. One is the financial means, but two is, is kind of the mentorship, right? That I think folks that, that grow up in a wealthy environment, they kind of have a network built in and some guidance built in, whether or not they take advantage of that is another issue. But um, I, I want to understand how you went about or I guess I'll just ask you, did you, did you experience some mindset challenges? Because to, to build a lot of wealth in one generation for one person to do it, and really in a couple of years, you know, I mean, you, you didn't start doing this when you, were, when you were five years old, right? You didn't start doing this until right. later. And so you really kind of built this, this empire in a short period of time. Did you struggle kind of going through some, some mindset shifts during that time? Yeah, it, you know, it really was. And, and for me, it was like the business standpoint of it. Now, I, I will say, you know, as a, as a law enforcement officer, as a young police officer, like you thought you had the world, right? Like, hey, I got a badge. I got to get on the rest sure. of people. And, and you thought you knew everything. But when I dropped to part time and I went to my corporate job, I started learning a lot about business because it wasn't just what I was doing, but I was keeping my ear to everything else that was going on in the company, right? Like, so I started earn, you know, learning about profit and loss and um, you know, all those different types of financial numbers. And, and I wasn't an expert at them, but it started making me think about that. So when I made that decision to jump into real estate, that was probably my biggest challenge. It's, you know, cause a lot of people think like, Hey, if I got a hundred K and I buy a hundred K house and I rent it for X amount of dollars, I'm going to get this. Well, that's not it. Right? Like we all right. use performance, even though any performer gets into it is always wrong, but we have our own performance and we have to know what those numbers mean, right? So what's your vacancy loss? What's your maintenance cost? What's your water? Is your water monthly or is it quarterly? Like there's a lot of things that go into it. Right. And for me, I didn't have the education uh, to be able to handle finances. You know, like I, I remember a simple story, like what got me into my first credit gym, right? Was I went to a Cincinnati Reds game and they were giving out free bobbleheads if you signed up for a credit card. And I was 18 years old, right? And I signed up for that credit card and I got this free bobblehead. I think it was Barry Larkin at the time. And that was great, man. Like I took it home, it was on my shelf and, and I loved it. And then I spent the thousand dollar credit limit and I never paid it. You know, That's right. so, then the interest compounded and compounded. Um, but my mind at the time was trying to wrap my head around the business standpoint and like how to be a business guy, like how to create teams, how to be a good leader. And I knew I had those qualities in me from the corporate world, but how do you transition that into real estate? And I struggled with that a little bit. And I think the biggest point at that, at that juncture of my life was, my wife, who, you know, she's an ICU nurse, a phenomenal, phenomenal gal, very, very smart, right? And I'm trying to convince her to let me spend our money, right? Which wasn't a lot right. at the time. We had very little. Right. I said, hey, hey, babe, I, I know I just got my car repoed. My, my house got foreclosed on. Uh, I haven't done anything to show you that I can make money and hustle and grind besides having a good career. Um, but we let me go out and spend all this money, right? So that was, a hard, that was a hard transition, right? Like I had to be a good salesman. And, and yeah. my wife was you know, she was tough, man. She's a tough critic. That's, that's uh critical, right? Like if, if the house, you know, the house is divided, that's going to be real tough to go out and, and do uh, the investment stuff for sure. So I guess presumably you're able to win her over early on and, or do you still, uh, is she, is she still kind of a check and balance for you on some of the investment stuff? Yeah, she is for sure a check and balance for me. Um, she just in the last year, I've, I've seen a little bit more freedom. And, and I know that like guys can come on podcasts or they can, they can talk to their buddies and they can say, oh, you know, I run the roost and whatever. I am very <laughs> realistic. 
Like I know that I don't do anything crazy with money unless she approves of it. Yeah. Sometimes she doesn't understand the deals, right? Because sure. we're, we're creative financers. Like we're jumping into crazy deals and she doesn't want to hear all that. Right. What she wants to know is if you spend X amount of dollars, how much money is coming back into our pocket. Yep. And the biggest challenge for us and, and going back to mindset was, you know, growing up, the only thing I ever heard was like, don't create debt, like pay everything off. Like That's now right. I didn't, I didn't do that, but I still heard that as an adult. So changing my mind and understanding how to use leverage and debt to be successful, that was hard for me. And that was probably the hardest pivot for her was to start learning that, Hey, it's okay. Right. Like we talked about my truck. I had a, you know, Ford truck and I still have it. And, um, I think I owe like 10,000 bucks on it, but the interest rate is like below four. Yeah. So trying to get her to understand that, yeah, we got the money to pay that off, but, but why would I, you know, yeah. why would I do that? If I That's spend right. that 10,000 bucks, I can take $10,000 and I can buy a quad for a hundred thousand dollars or, you know, whatever it is. And I can make a ton of money off that. Right. So why waste that money? Yep. That's right. Yeah. It's this huge mindset shift uh, from kind of that middle-class mindset of uh, eschewing all debt to, I mean, we're, we're looking at a deal right now. It's $16 million loan at sub 3%. I'm like, this is a bonanza, right? I mean, right. Uh, uh, but it took years to kind of get to the point where, where I was okay with that. So, you guys have, you have like a hundred doors now plus what was your first, what was your first real estate deal that, that you went out and did? Yeah. So that year that my car got repoed, which was the uh, end of 2012, 2013. When I made the decision I was going to do it, I, I had worked off duty for a security company and was, was friends with the family for, you know, forever since I had started my police work. And I knew that the owner of that security company, you know, he had acquired like 30, 35, 40 doors, whatever it was at the time. Um, just kind of, you know, I wouldn't say luck because he, he's a hustler and he works hard. Sure. But he had those doors. So I went to him and said, Hey, I got, you know, 10 K. And, and at that time, 10 K was, that was my savings. That was a retirement account. That was the yep. only thing I had at that point. Yep. And I went to him and said, I had 10 K and, and Hey, will you match my 10 K and let's buy a property. And, and at that time I, I said, let's buy a quad for 20 K and uh, purchase price was 20 K. Yeah. Or that's so, down well, payment. Well, no, no, that was purchase price. It's a good story. Oh my but, gosh. But awesome. I, I got to hear this. I didn't understand real estate, right? Like I didn't know you couldn't buy a quad for 20K. Now prices were different in 2013, sure. 2012. But, you know, he kind of laughed at me and said, whatever, you know, you find a quad for, you know, for 20K. He's like, sure, I'll give you 10K. Sure. And uh, so I started the hustle, man. I started looking and, and I didn't know how to find off-market deals at the time. But I did find an MLS listing. It was, I don't remember, it was like 65, 70K. And I, I knew that it was outside of that price range that I'd set because I had zero more money. Like I had no more money. Like we weren't using loans like him at the time. Like he's a cash guy. Like he buys everything cash. Yep. Um, a little bit different today, but back then it was all cash. So I used that first MLS that I came across. It was a nice quad brick, you know, fully rented out, didn't need a lot of work. And uh, I used that as really just a practice mechanism for, mm. um, you know, for negotiating deals. And I knew that I could negotiate, but I wanted to practice on somebody. Yep. But when we got into it, it was a very quirky deal. So the guy that was trying to sell it, he had an land contract from uh, a guy out of Iowa who had bought it on a foreclosure. And at that time, there was you know, tons of tons of quads, tons of multifamily units that had gotten bought up off the foreclosure after the housing bubble. So he had a land contract. He was trying to make X amount of dollars. We found that it was behind taxes, you know, like 18000 or whatever it was. So we went around that guy and we found the guy in Iowa, tracking down that actually owned it. And uh, just asked him, I said, hey, look, you're X amount of dollars in taxes. If we can get this little shady handyman, want to be real estate investor out of the way, um, will you sell us the property for 19K? And wow. he said, dude, he's like, I'm losing my butt. Like this guy hasn't given me a payment yet. Water bills 
behind. Like everything's like, so sure, you know, if you can get him out of the way, I'll sell it to you for 19 K. So we went back to a little handyman and um, who was, you know, at that time he was an aspiring real estate investor. And uh, uh, we offered him a thousand bucks just to walk away from this property. And he said, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> we bought that property all in. We were like 21 K, you know, closing. That was all cash, no financing. Um, and then my partner, we did have to stick, you know, like 12 K into it. So my partner and mentor at the time, he, he gave us a 12 K. So all in 32 K man, that thing was fully rented out and, and cash flow. What kind of rents? So at that time we were at like 375, 390. Wow. Yeah. The rents. So, yeah. but you know, hey. decent, man. And it was a home run at that time. Yeah. Man, when your basis is that low, uh, you can't lose. Right. You see, you guys still have that one? Oh man. Yeah. I wish I did, but I, yeah. uh, I love that building. It was the best performing building I ever had. You know, not for <laughs> the first the one overall, right out of the gate. Yeah, yeah. But it was, uh, it was amazing. So no, but two years ago, my my wife had a, a grand idea to put an in-ground pool in and uh, backyard and wanted to spend X amount of dollars. And I'm like, well, I'm not taking out a loan for an in-ground pool. So right. Uh, so I actually sold that off two years ago. I sold it twice in the same year. I sold a land contract to a guy that defaulted, and you know, I think I, I had to make it like 40k off of his land contract, and yep. he defaulted. And then two weeks later, I sold it for 90k um, straight out and. Uh, that guy two years ago uh, is now one of my partners in my other real estate company. Sold the deal twice. That might be a first that I've heard that. That's awesome, man. Man, it was good. It was that, like I said, that property was good to me, you know, yeah. it was like the gift that kept, uh, kept giving for quite some time. So I'm, yeah. I'm still sad knowing that I, that I got rid of it, but you know, I, now I actually manage it now from a partner. So I'm making, that's too funny. You know, You're never going to get rid of that thing. Right. That's awesome. So you, th that first deal, that's, that's a cool story. I appreciate you sharing that. What, uh, were you like just totally hooked at that point to, to go do more or what was your, what was your take after you guys closed on that deal? Yeah, I thought, you know, I was always competitive, you know? So I, at that point I was, I was on top of the world, you know, and I was feeling really, really good about it. And, and once things were going good with it and we had it rented out, uh, it was great, you know, and I was immediately looking for the deals and I found another deal like a month and a half after we bought that one. Mm -hmm. uh, right around the corner from it, which was another phenomenal, phenomenal deal until it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a uh, second property that I found like a month and a half later, that was a six unit right around the corner, all town home style. And uh, again, it was in probate. It was behind taxes, like 19 K four of the units were completely rehabbed. Um, the guy had done them super nice with travertine tile, beautiful fixtures. So we were only going to have to stick, you know, at that time it was like maybe 40 K into the property to rehab it. And we had the family convinced to sell us a property at, uh, at 20 K you know, whatever it was. So we closed on that property late Friday night at, uh, 20, 21, 22 K right around there. And, uh, we were into it, man. And then a couple of days later, Monday morning, watching the news, whole thing burned to the ground. Somebody had thrown a, uh, you know, multi cocktail through one of the windows. Wow, man. Um, it had said vacant for two years, not vandalized, but the yeah. guy that, uh, had originally had it that did all the nice rehab. He was a drug dealer and he was uh, ultimately killed in one of those units. And that's why it was sitting vacant for two years. And then, you know, a couple of days later after we, we buy it for cash, uh, you know, burns the ground and we didn't have any insurance. So we, uh, we took a real hit yeah. right after we had this home run on that first block. That's such a low purchase price. It's what were you guys thinking? Like it's 20 K no insurance, right? It's cash deal, whatever. Well, I beat my mentor up every single day for this because back then it was, you know, he was a cash guy and he was like, look, he's yeah. like, and, he, and he's a numbers dude. He's like the rain man at numbers, like super, super smart. Right. Yeah. And he was like, why would you buy insurance? Like, here's how much insurance is going to cost you over sure. X amount of months, right? X amount of years. And we just bought this for 20 K. So even if it burns to the ground, you're still going to be okay. Like you only lost 20 K. And then of course, three days later it burns the ground. 
So that's, that's, that's yeah, that's nuts, man. Yeah. I guess if you're, if you're not working with a lender, nobody's asking for insurance. There you go, man. Right. Just, just rock and roll with it. That's too funny. So you, you got this portfolio, you know, around a hundred, what, what is it? A hundred doors, hundred plus. Yeah, we're hundred plus. We're, yep. you know, probably right around 130 right now. 128. We just closed on another property. So uh, that's a combination of single family, duplexes, quads. I mean, what, what, what is the kind of spectrum of, uh, of, of uh, assets there? Yeah, so everything is a try or above. Okay. Um, we, you know, my, my personal portfolio uh, that, that I build up is all, all tries, all quads. And then our uh, other real estate company where I have a couple of partners on, those are all eight units and above. So we have uh, some eights. We got uh, a couple sixteens. We got a 21 unit. Um, so we're focusing on, you know, a little bit bigger deals over there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. We don't do any single family home. I mean, I have one single family home in my portfolio and the only reason I keep it is because I bought it for 2000 bucks back taxes, stuff 10 K in it and it rents for 725. That's hard so, to beat that. Yeah. I mean, I can't even, you know, it only appraises at 50 K. Who cares? But, uh, yeah. It's a phenomenal property. Right. But yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't mess with duplexes. I don't mess with single families. We do a lot of fix and flips, yep. but at the end of the day, I like the odds better when I got more units, you know? No doubt. No doubt. So what are you guys, how are you approaching property management on that, that type of a portfolio? This is all one market, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're focused uh, strictly in Dayton, uh, Dayton, yep. Ohio. Uh, there's still a lot of good property left here. Uh, so I, I manage all the properties. I'm, I self-manage, uh, you know, all of our doors and, and, and run all that. And, you know, our, the partnership itself is kind of set up uniquely in that we have one gal and guy that they're focused on financing and, and getting us private funds. Nice. Um, they work all the bank loans and, and all the refinance. Um, I'm the management piece. And then our, our fourth partner, he's, you know, he's like the umbrella that comes in and, and puts the, the choke collar on us when we're, when we're trying to stretch too thin. <laughs> That's right. What, uh, you guys on some management software for, for the whole thing? Or is it a, is it a, a patchwork of different stuff or how do you treat that? Yeah. So I use Buildium, um, yeah. Buildium software, which uh, I love it, man. It does everything for me, finances. It keeps me organized. You know, I manage yep. all my properties right from an iPad and, and I, I can't believe I didn't do it sooner. I only switched over to building about, you know, at this point, it's like eight or nine months now. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that was the best decision I ever made in my life. Cause before oh. that it was Excel sheets and handwritten notes and you know, whatever. Yeah, man, we've been using building my first rental, you know, this is 2000. I mean, building using buildings is 2012, you know, my first rental house. And, and then we put hundreds of houses through it. We do all our flip accounting in there too. Mm -hmm. The multifamily stuff we did, we're on another platform, but I like building a man. We've done, I mean, we've been a customer for, for a long time and uh, it's a, it's a good platform. There's, I'm a partner on an 88 unit that a friend of mine's buying and they're using a building on that, you know, bigger, yeah. bigger building. It's, it's uh it's awesome. And especially if you guys just got switched over to it. I mean, that is a game changer, right? Paying your, your yeah. vendors, ACH, and you guys taking rent payments online through there too? Yes, yeah, so we do everything online. I think yep. I have, you know, maybe we offer a, you know, a local office, they can drop their payments off too. And I think we have maybe, maybe 10 tenants that drop their payments off and uh, everybody else uses online. It was, it was a culture change. You know, we had to train yeah. our tenants and, and we do sure. have some buildings that are predominantly seniors. So uh, you know, they still like to mail some checks in every once in a while and that's okay. Yeah. But, uh, a lot of it was a culture thing, right? So we're mainly in C class buildings with C or D neighborhoods and that's where our niche is at. So you have a lot of people call you on a Friday night when they get off work, like, Hey Todd, I got my rent. It's the fifth. Like, will you come pick it up? And the answer is no, I'm yeah. not coming to pick up your rent. That doesn't um, scale. And it's after five o'clock. So you missed your, you missed your drop off yeah. and you have the online option. You decide not to do that. So I guess you're getting hit with a late fee and it's not being a jerk, but it's, you got to train them, right? You got to give them hard love and they usually get on yeah. board with it. 
Yeah, you have to be completely binary and black and white on that kind of stuff, uh, especially with, with, as you scale, right? I mean, you may make an exception for if you've got one house and you're a landlord and, and whatever, but uh, 100 units, man, it's got to be uniform code for, for everybody, right? Yeah, consistency is key for us, man. And yeah. you know, especially with everything, like legal wise, you know, liability wise, it's yeah, you know, everything's consistent. There is no, and, and I've learned the hard way. I've, I, you know, I was sued before for some, you know, some silly stuff, and you know, I learned very quickly, and, and I won that. But uh, consistency is number one key anytime you're going to go into any type of legal or, or liability battle, and, and that's how we really try to manage. Yeah, that's a good point you bring up. It's a good way to frame it for for residents too. You know, if somebody's asking for a break or something like this. It's like legally, I can't treat you any different than everybody else. And if I do that, that that's, that's not okay from a, from a legal perspective to treat you any different. So yeah, but, you know, you get the late fee or you're getting evicted or whatever, but I can't give you special treatment when, um, when I'm not giving that to everybody else. So sometimes that's a decent way to frame it to a resident. Yeah, no, I agree completely. So what do you guys, so you're still a full-time job, and then you've got, you've got a variety of these real estate companies. What are you seeing kind of for the next year for, for you guys to just continue to scoop up deals as they come up or what's uh, you know, what's on the, what's on the horizon for you for the, you know, for the next year or so. Yeah. So we're, we're busy now. I, let me just be transparent. So I do work a full-time job. I am you know, VP of a, a large security firm, but the owner of that is also one of my real estate partners, okay. uh, my, my original partner, my mentor. Um, so I have incredible flexibility and he has, um, he has a really, really cool program that he runs. He runs some eviction treatments in the area and they have a large transitional housing program over there. So I manage all that for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just kind of the firewall for our security company at this point. And, sure. and, and that's good. So I don't want people to think I'm going in and clocking in nine to five and still doing this because that wouldn't be fair. Anybody that's listening to a podcast. Yeah. Right. Um, but at the end of the day for us, we're, we're continuing to scale. So, you know, from a couple of different standpoints, me personally, um, I have quite a few investors out of state that, that I've become, you know, friends with and, and close with, and I'm continuing as a realtor to buy properties for them and help them scale um, yep. in our area because there's still a lot of good deals, which is ultimately growing my property management side of things. Sure. Yeah. Uh, which has also helped me kind of bring in more of a team to, to help me with my projects, which is great. Um, we have, uh, you know, our partnership, we're going to continue focusing on multifamily, you know, for us, man, like every day I'm not driving for dollars and finding properties. Like that's how we do it off market, you know, owner finance or, you know, some really great deals. You know, we figure out when we get into an off-market deal, whether we want to keep it, whether we want to, you know, wholesale it off to somebody, which we don't do very often. We tend to keep pretty much everything we get off market. Yep. Um, but we also got some land development going on right now. We have, uh, you know, a small pocket community of 12, 1200 square foot homes that we uh, are getting ready to pop down in, uh, in Riverside, Ohio. The, the city's been just really, really friendly and incredible to us. Uh, and then we have 23 acres that we're getting, you know, that we have, uh, that we just purchased that we're doing a subdivision on and also some row style townhomes. Uh, in there. So we'll end up having, you know, 150, 160 doors that we're doing on that subdivision. Yep. Uh, and we're still, fi- we're still flipping stuff, man. So like, for me, it's like, whatever deal comes our way, like we're going to do it. If it makes sense, the numbers make sense. Um, we're going to jump in. And and that's just kind of our, our philosophy. If it doesn't make sense, we're walking away. We don't buy turnkey stuff. We don't want to buy value add. Uh, and, and we're going to continue scaling. So I would, you know, over the next year, I would hope that uh, our real estate company, our goal really over the next 12 months is to, to get closer to that thousand door mark. Outstanding. Yeah. I mean, look, if a deal pencils and it works in your market, do it. On the development stuff, are you guys taking it all the way to completion and sale? Is it, is it build to rent? What's the, what's the plan there? Yeah. So from the development side, um, it's kind of a, it's kind of a unique story. I became friends with a developer who actually developed my neighborhood that I, that I built a house in with my wife. 
um, him and I started off a little bit rocky because uh, he was trying to charge the HOA like this large $60-some-thousand-dollar loan, right? Um, so uh, <laughs> I went through all those financials, and at the end of the day, like, we went back and forth, right? And at the end of the day, we sold for, like, 5000 bucks. Okay, so, so we started off really, really rocky, and then we just be, kind of became friends. And uh, over the time, what, what I'm really good at is I'm, I have a pretty good eye for properties and kind of trending type properties, right? So the one that him and I are working on together now is that, that 12, 1,200 square foot homes. And the way that came about, we bought two homes on basically 12 lots and it was like two and a half acres. We rehab one home uh, that's running out for 750 now. So I think we got, you know, we, we bought this whole deal for 50,000 bucks and we stuck 20,000 in the rehab. So we're all in at 70K. Yep. Um, but then we took the other 10 lots and uh, we wanted to do something kind of trendy and really just do like a little pocket community. And uh, so I went to him and asked him if he would develop that for us. And then instead of developing, you know, doing the development work for us with the utilities, uh, he asked if he can just buy the land and do the development. So that's kind of how we're working it out. But I'm taking him through and, and assisting him through the city. He doesn't need me, but, you know, I'm local in that community. So we're going through the zoning and, and the permitting. And, you know, I'm involved in all those meetings with city council. And uh, they're ultimately going to develop it and put it all in there. And then they gave us a, a pretty nice... Uh, purchase price on the property so um, and that's kind of the second subdivision you know we're 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 just kind of partnering up i wouldn't call it a jv but we're helping them through you know so we did the environmental studies we are filing all the zoning with the city forum and all that good stuff but then when we get to that point where we have things approved they'll come in they'll develop that land they'll do the subdivision and we have our agreement set up with how that will you know kind of pan out from a from profit standpoint for us yeah. Yeah. That's excellent. That's a nice project. That's a little bit of a variety for your, uh, you know, it's fun to work on different kind of projects sometimes as an investor. So that sounds like a nice, uh, a, a nice different type of project to be working on. Right. It's, uh, it, it's fun, but I will tell you the, the development piece of it, zoning and, and jumping in the city, like that is tough. You know, I'm it's tough work. I'm building an 8,000 square foot home, uh, for my mother-in-law firewall that has like, you know, indoor gym and batting cages and, you know, actually, 6,000 square feet for me, but I gave them 2,000 square foot of, of space because I had to call it a single family home. Right. And just trying to get that through the permitting process, man, that has been, that has been tough. And when you do something new that is not, you know, like inside the box and yeah. like that's really tough, right? Like, well, what do you mean you're going to build a metal 8,000 square foot home? Well, that's what I want to do. Right. So like quit telling me no, and let's figure out a way to say yes. And, and it's been really just a massage of, of working with the, with the cities, but it's fun, man. Like, I love it. I love the battle. I love, I love anything that's hard. You know, give me a house that's, that's burnt down and dilapidated and, and missing stuff. Like I love that more than a turnkey property that gives me money right now. Yeah. Yeah. love it. I've got a buddy of mine that's a developer. Um, and we're partnered on a couple of deals as well. And I was touring a deal with him downtown and he's like, Hey, meet uh, so-and-so. And I was like, Hey, you know, what's the connection here? And he said, uh, this is our, our lobbyist. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> Man, you can have the development stuff. When you get to the point where you need a lobbyist to deal with the city, I'm like, give me another C-class apartment building we can go in yeah. and slap some renovations on, man. It's yeah, a different it's animal for sure, for sure. Um, well, th this is awesome. I appreciate the overview. What, what would you say to somebody that is listening and wanting to become a real estate investor, build a big portfolio, build a bunch of net worth and cash flow, but they're, they haven't started yet or they're kind of at that cost. What, what would you say to that person? Yeah, you know, we have, I kind of just recently got active on bigger pockets last several months and, and Instagram and, and not because I'm selling anything, not because I'm syndicating, uh, just having fun with it, man. And like helping yep. some young people and, and I'm doing some mentoring for some couples here locally. 
Cool. And I tell them all the same thing, right? Like when you're ready to jump in, you know, you're ready to jump in, but like, let's make sure you're set up uh, to do that. Right. Like let's know where you're getting your money from. Let's know what numbers make sense. Let's know what your goal is and your strategy is. You know, if you want to, if you want to burn a property, like we need to know and you need to know what those numbers are. If you want to turn key house, like you need to know where those numbers fall in at. Yep. So helping them understand kind of that piece of it. And I think you can get a lot of that, man. Like listen to great guys like you, like you've done some really huge stuff. And, you know, I listen to your podcast. I, I listen to you on Whitney and, and you've done a ton of podcasts. So, you know, listen to guys like you and, and Whitney Sewell and, and bigger pockets and being all over there and just learning. Um, that's the first thing, like just learn. But the thing that keeps everybody out of real estate is fear, you that's know, right. and they get that, you know, I hear it all the time, you know, the analysis paralysis and, and whatever, but, um, you just got to jump in and you got to wait for that right deal. But when the right deal comes along, like, don't think about it, just do it, you know? Yeah. And you got to know where the money's coming from first. And if you're not ready, and I see a lot of guys, like I had one, you know, send me a message last night that was, you know, Hey, I want to jump into real estate and I want to be like you, but I don't have any money. I want to jump in with zero money on my pocket. I, I said, okay, you can do it, but it's going to take you a little bit longer, right? Like I'll, I'll, I'll tell you how to get there, but that's a lot harder. And yep. Um, he's like, well, what if I just wholesale? I said, well, of course you can just wholesale if, if you want to wholesale. Now I got my own feelings about wholesalers, but at the end <laughs> of the day, you can, you can do whatever you want, but you don't need me to tell you what to do. There's so many guys out there with videos and, and instruction out there for free. Like yeah. you don't need to go out and buy a $10,000 or $15,000 mentor or coach. Like there's so many incredible guys and gals out there. Um, it, a lot of ones that I follow on Instagram that they post videos every single day. Like I'm, I'm starting to post videos every single day and it's all for free. Like I'll, you know, like yesterday I did a video of a 10 unit we took over and like, if you're going to buy a 10 unit, like here's the steps you need to do before closing. Here's what you need to do the day after closing. That's out there. Like you just got to learn, but you got to immerse yourself in there and drown yourself with real estate. And you got to be all in. You can't, you can't be half in. Like you can't have one foot in the water. Like you got to yeah. jump in man. I love it. You got to be all in. And that's the difference between the people that have a portfolio like yours and, and, um, uh, you know, all the people that the huge contingent of people that, that want to be doing this. Um, there's a commitment level at some point, you know, um, that that's how it was for me years ago. I said, this, this is it. This is how I'm going to do it. This is going to work. And I'm all in, you know, and that was scariest thing I've ever done. Right. And that's, that's how it goes. Got to get on the other side of that fear. And then, and then things start to happen. I, I like what you said though, about kind of picking, uh, this is something I, I kind of counsel people a lot on too that want to get into real estate, it's like, well, you have to define the outcome. There's too many options on the menu to just jump into something. I mean, do you want to own, do you want to syndicate a hundred units? Do you want to own a single rental house? Do you want short-term rental? Do you want to build stuff? I mean, there's too many options. You got to pick something. And once you pick an outcome for yourself, then you can kind of reverse engineer it and fill in the pieces and build the team. But you, you got to start with the end in mind. Otherwise, it's just, just too confusing. There's too, much, there's too much stuff to learn. There's too, many, there's too many ways to make money in the biz to just start chasing it all, right? In the beginning, anyway. Eventually, you can go do all that stuff. But, but yeah. uh, I mean, you're, you, know, you do some diverse stuff. And, and I think you're, you know, you're, a lot like, you're doing some bigger deals than, I, than I'm doing. But um, you're kind of the same way, right? Like if a good deal crosses your path. You're not going to, you're not going to turn it down. But when you first start real estate, like you don't have those skills, like you, right. you can't take on everything. So you need to be very dependent. And I tell them all the time, the same thing you just said, which is like, what is your end result? Is it, yep. is it monthly passive income? Is it like, Hey, I'm cool. If I just make like three, 4,000 bucks a month, I'm like I'm good. And that gives me enough to be happy. But like, whatever your goal is, then let's dissect that and let's work backwards. And we do all of our deals the same way. Like yep. here's what we want to be. Now let's underwrite kind of backwards. And, and that's kind of how we approach everything. And that's what I try to teach 
you know, some of the younger investors would do is like, just, just, just like you said, start at that end, work your way backwards, and then let's get a good game plan forward. I'll, I'll help you put gasoline under the fire, but yep. we got to know where the hell that fire is going. Yep. I love it. I love it. That's awesome. Um, Todd, if somebody wants to reach out and connect with you, what's a good uh, avenue for that? So I'm pretty active on Instagram uh, under bottom to the top investments uh, on bigger pockets. I'm under my name, Todd Poltz. Uh, and you can certainly shoot me an email, which is B T T T I LLC, uh, which stands for bottom of the top investments, LLC at gmail.com. Outstanding. We'll link to that in the show notes. Um, listen, man, I really appreciate connecting with you and sharing your story. This is awesome. Thank you. No, thanks so much for having me on. Awesome. Take care. We'll see ya. Thank you for listening to the DJE podcast. For more information, please go to djetexas.com.